Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I am the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. I'm happy to be with you today to discuss a current topic in multifamily real estate, and that is to answer the question, how is multifamily doing? We're in the middle of the pandemic, so there's the health condition of tenants and staff and of the businesses around all of our properties and around multifamily. And there's the government response in terms of opening or closing or reopening. So what's all that actually doing to multifamily? Today, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I've got some data that uh, we should all take with some um, uh, scrutiny. Uh, I've got some data about how the market in general is performing. And I can share with you some specifics about uh, our portfolios and what we're seeing. So s let's start with, oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you all. If you have any questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. Please go to the Learning Center at marapolling.com. Lots of good content there. We're actually in the middle of an upgrade that hopefully will be out soon. Uh, we just posted some new webinar content, and there's a, another session you can register for coming up on cap rates. That always seems to be a very interesting topic for folks. So please go to the Learning Center at marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com, and you can register. All right, so let's answer the question. How is multifamily doing? Well, the short answer is it's doing exactly as we planned. The reason we like multifamily so much, in addition to its longevity and the supply-demand imbalance and all the things that make it a great investment from a financial return standpoint, the big draw is the security and stability of the asset class. These are not only hard, tangible assets like other pieces of real estate, but they perform very stably throughout the entirety of the economic cycle. And we are absolutely in a recession. Uh, how deep this recession is, is a little difficult to tell because it's in part intentionally caused, right? So it's, it's generally not the case in a recession that we are voluntarily slowing down or stopping economic activity, but that's, that's what we've been doing. And as we open some of that back up, uh, what we get a chance to see then is how much of that economic activity that went away was because we had shut down or slowed down, and how much of it went away because of the recession, because it actually went and it's gone. And you can see that today in the bankruptcy filings and the small businesses that close and all the other things that are happening, which are the things that typically happen in a recession. But as I said, though, that's why we like multifamily, is it's resilient throughout that entire uh, cycle, through that entire economic cycle, especially the way we encourage folks to invest. So again, whether you work with us and are a member of our total return fund or one of our other investment vehicles, or whether you invest with other sponsors that are like-minded uh, with Mara Polling, or whether you do your own portfolio and you focus on putting together secure, stable, conservative assets, then you should be seeing performance. 
in any of those investment uh, scenarios that is uh, positive throughout this time frame, and that's certainly what we're experiencing. But let's talk about some specifics and do a little contrasting with where the industry is, or at least what we can see of the industry. So collections, that's the big question. Are people paying rent? Yeah, they are. And uh, quite amazingly, extremely large percentages of tenants are paying rent. The data that we have access to on a national basis says that in April, by the latter part of April, about 90% of tenants had paid their rent or some of their rent. I'll come back to that. In May, same time frame, the late, late part of May, it was maybe a little higher than that, but still roughly 90%. June, actually 92%, so some improvements. Now, as I said, this data, we should take all this data with a grain of salt because it's very difficult to really actually have access to all of this data. This is selected data from a number of uh, properties that, are, that these uh, data gatherers have access uh, to around the country. And in this particular study that these folks performed, uh, if a tenant paid part of their rent, then they counted that as a rent payment. So when they say 90 or 92 percent, that could include tenants that only paid part of their rent. So the collections data I can share with you is real collections data, right? So if somebody pays part of their rent, if they only pay half their rent, well then that doesn't count as a rent payment, it counts as half of a rent payment, right? Uh, we have seen across our entire portfolio collections on the actual monthly rents in the mid to high 90s. Uh, and that's current. In April and May, it was in the low to mid 90s. So again, very strong, much stronger than we had prepared for. We were prepared for it to be a lot worse. And I think part of what we are seeing, and obviously this is a conjecture on our part, but I think part of what we're seeing here is this resilience of multifamily that we always talk about it being in this essential, uh, it fills an essential need. It's food and shelter. People have got to have food to eat. They've got to have a place to sleep. They need a few other things from an essential standpoint, standpoint some health care, those kinds of things. Uh, they don't need the biggest, fanciest cable plan or the new uh, smartphone that's come out or a brand new car. Uh, those are all things that can be put off, and in some instances, as we're seeing, uh, some of those businesses may be changed uh, forever, right? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the travel industry recovers long-term now that so many of us have uh, forcibly uh, begun using digital technology like Zoom and GoToMeeting and a bunch of other tools to connect with people, are folks going to be as likely to hop on airplanes uh, to go to a meeting when we've learned that you can do an awful lot of it digitally? So, so some of that's going to it'll be very interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out. So, sorry about that tangent there. So, uh, so that's the monthly collections. Our collections are actually running roughly at a hundred percent, maybe even a little above a hundred percent, and that's because what we're seeing is 
if tenants have been behind, they're, they're doing their best to stay about a month behind. Uh, so if someone only was able to pay their partial rent in April, when they paid their rent in May, they paid the partial in April and they paid as much of May as they could and so on. And, and they're keeping those balances pretty capable. Uh, that means what we expect to see is modest levels of write-offs when we get to that point in the process. The industry, though, is seeing something on the order of 7, 8, 10% a month in delinquencies, uh, which means over three months, that's 30% of a, of a month's uh, revenue in uh, delinquencies. So there's potentially going to be some higher write-offs uh, for the industry as, as a whole. Still, net collections much higher than certainly what we were prepared for. We were prepared for numbers in the 80s or even the 70s uh, when the initial um, shutdown occurred. Uh, and so it's been uh, very reassuring to see multifamily performing the way we expected it to, although we never expected there to be this kind of an economic event. All right, so let's move on now to rents and concessions. Rents are flat. Uh, we, we don't see any activity in the industry, in any of the markets that we're active in, of uh, systematic, intentional rent increase activity. Uh, that doesn't mean that rents aren't going up on individual units, right? So if a tenant moves out of a unit and they were paying $100 below what the market is at this point in time, when that unit is leased, it's leased at or as close to that market as it can be. So that rent is going up. Um, we're not seeing much in the way of increases on renewals unless somebody's way off. And again, this is, this is not only industry data, but what our experience is. Um, not a lot of concession activity. Uh, for us in particular, um, while we've held our rents flat and our concessions have been very targeted, uh, primarily around a few renewal activities, um, what we've actually seen during that time frame is a fairly significant increase in occupancy. We are running out of available inventory at many of our assets. Uh, I don't think in the short term that's going to lead us to try and make significant movements in rent. I think we'll be satisfied with very high occupancies and high collection rates until the smoke clears, if you will. Um, but that's a very positive sign, meaning that there is demand there that will allow us to address rents and concessions in terms of growing uh, income uh, very soon. And again, the, the industry uh, as a whole seems to be in that same spot as far as rents and concessions go. Uh, occupancy, we haven't seen a lot of movement elsewhere. So again, we, we are pleased that our portfolio uh, is outperforming the market, but in general, uh, rents are flat and occupancies are flat, even though we're, we're performing a little better. Okay, let's talk about new deals, new opportunities, new investments. Absolutely uh, happening. There are deals transacting on a regular basis. Uh, we see offerings, we see closings, we see uh, the tombstones coming through. There are um, 
lots of indications that the market is alive and well and healthy. We ourselves are going to be announcing our latest acquisition uh, very shortly. And it was uh, as easy or difficult, depending upon which side of the coin you want to look at, for us to make this acquisition occur as it was for prior ones. There are good deals out there. There are sellers that are looking to transact. And there are buyers like us that are looking to invest. So there, there is deal flow. There's not as much to look at. The deal volume is down. The selling volume is down. So there's not as much to look at right now. Uh, and that may change as we get down the road. We do not see any opportunistic deals. I've, I've seen a few things come across my desk in the last couple weeks uh, touting uh, look at what we're doing. We're buying this great asset and we're getting it at this huge discount because of COVID-19. I don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily true or possible. Uh, and I'll make that maybe a more general statement. Maybe there are individual deals out there that look like that. Um, but it takes time for a property to get in trouble. Even if it's dancing on the knife's edge, it's, it's, there's a process to get forbearance from lenders right now. So if you had a property that was being challenged, there are ways you can try and sustain yourself uh, to get to the other side of whatever we, we want to call this is, this that we're uh, in from an economic standpoint. So we think it's premature to anticipate seeing those kinds of opportunities. We believe they will begin to show up at the beginning of 2021. And we also don't think they'll be as uh, steeply discounted as people hope. And that's simply because multifamily is a strong uh, investment vehicle. There's a lot of money that wants to get into multifamily, and it's pure supply and demand. So even though someone may have a deal they need to get out of, they may, they may be upside down, they may have a, uh, a high leverage situation, they may have some problem, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get sold on the cheap because if a lot of people go after it, it's, it's going to drive that that price. Um, so new deals are happening. Lending's a little different. Lenders are lending. Uh, they're happy to lend. They're being a little more conservative. Uh, they're looking for, in general, you're seeing lower LTVs and higher uh, debt covers or debt yields, whatever the metric might be that's being used. Uh, you're seeing larger reserves uh, in place, in particular some P&I uh, reserves. Uh, we're very comfortable with all of that. That's consistent with how we would manage the assets anyway. Uh, we keep cash reserves. We generally aren't looking to max out LTVs. We would like to have uh, uh, more stable performing assets in terms of debt covers and debt yields and our break-even occupancy number that we use. Um, so the lending environment hasn't really changed, had an effect on us. It probably has some had some effect in particular on maybe shorter term uh, sponsors, sponsors that are looking to put quick deals together and move on them, uh, you know, kind of flip uh, opportunities. So there may be some impact there. I wouldn't really know. We don't, we don't really play in that um, arena from that, uh, from that standpoint. Um, so what about your side of the fence? <laughs> what's, what's going on with investors? How many are panicked and running for the doors 
How many are, well, this is interesting. Let me wait and see what's going on. And how many are trying to write checks and make deals happen and so on? And obviously that's part of what we do is we work with individuals and families on a daily basis, uh, providing them information about multifamily and in particular about what we do so they can make decisions about whether or not this is the right time uh, and the right scenario for them to begin participating. So again, we have a limited amount of data here and visibility. Uh, what we do see is you know, five to 10% of investors are really on the sideline. I'm, I'm not doing anything. You guys go ahead and knock yourselves out. I'm going to sit on what I've got. Maybe 40% then are, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. I'm not doing anything right now, but I'd like to. I'd, I'd like to maybe get back in, but I'm not doing anything right now. I'm, I'm kind of taking a beat. Fully 50% of the investor community that we have visibility to from a, from a data standpoint say that they're actively looking for opportunities. And again, I, I think that speaks more to the strength and resilience of multifamily as an asset that can perform. It also, I think, probably has something to do with the performance of the other asset classes that people have access to in their investment portfolios. Uh, we've got some great data that we've, and I, I, I forget off the top of my head what uh, session it was, otherwise I would refer to it. If I can think of it, I'll, uh, I'll post it for you all. Um, uh, where we went through and talked about the strength and stability comparative to uh, bonds and fixed income investments and uh, stocks, both large caps, small caps, and so on, in terms of how multifamily performs, that it has that bond-like stability with returns on par or better than equities, and then all the tax advantages you can't get from, uh, from either. Well, bonds are not paying much at all. Um, Ten-year treasury is 0.64. That's what's sitting in front of me this morning. Um, the Dow, you know, pick your day, right? It's up 500 points because everybody thinks COVID's behind us, or economically it is, and it's down 1,000 points the next day. It hasn't really moved in any meaningful way from that standpoint, and who knows what it's going to do uh, long term. So bonds are down in terms of returns because there's a flight to security, Equities are down because there's just uncertainty. And the one thing that we all know that the equity markets hate is uncertainty. The equity markets would actually love it if somebody came out and said, this is how bad it is, it's going to get this much worse, and then it's going to get better. And we have a 90% certainty that that's going to happen, and there was real data to back that up. The markets would love that, and they'd respond positively. But they don't respond to in particular, the Fed and others saying things like, it's going to be bad, and we don't know how bad, and we don't know how long, and we'll do whatever we have to do to prop everything up. And I'm paraphrasing the, the Fed's latest actions, but it's that kind of activity that is giving the stock market the challenges it currently has. Now, over a long period of time, stocks will end up performing well, 
I don't know what that long period of time looks like from today. But I, you know, we're not, we wouldn't encourage anyone to think about any investment in terms of what you can make in the next month or three months or six months. And multifamily is the exact same way. This is a long uh, view that we think everyone um, should take. But though the performance of those alternatives, equities and fixed incomes bonds, uh, is one of the reasons there's still a lot of money that wants to get into multifamily. And as I said, that's one of the reasons we're going to see prices propped up, and I don't think we'll see a significant rise in uh, cap rates, um, at, least on a, at least based on what we can see um, today. So multifamily performing as we had hoped, planned, expected that it would. Collections and write-offs in the industry – are better than what everyone thought they were going to be, I think. Uh, and we're very fortunate that our assets are actually outperforming the market. Uh, rents and concessions, pretty flat on rents, concessions uh, being used appropriately. I think that's pretty true for the industry. Uh, we've not only seen that, but we've seen a significant increase in, in occupancy. There are new deals and new opportunities out there. Lenders are supporting those, and investors are interested in getting in on good deals, uh, at least half of the investor community that we can see. So all in all, <clears throat> pardon me, all in all, I think that's a pretty positive report card for multifamily in the midst of everything that's going on. And a month from now, we could have this same conversation, and the answers could be different, right? Things, things could shift. And that, so it doesn't mean that because multifamily is stable and secure that there won't be movement over short periods of time. Um, you know, we could see collections drop into the 80s, right? Uh, we could see them go above 100 for the whole industry as the industry catches up. So this data is good as of today. The long view of multifamily, especially as we emerge from uh, the COVID-related shutdown and in, move into the more traditional recession and then recovery is that multifamily continues to be a solid, secure place to put your dollars and to generate income and create wealth and, and continues to have tax advantages. Uh, and while that doesn't mean it's better than equities or bonds, it does mean that it deserves a place in your portfolio alongside them in whatever percentage you think you should have. So that's the one bit of advocacy we always do is uh, whatever type of investor you are, whether you're accredited or sophisticated or not accredited, if you've got an opportunity to participate in multifamily, we would encourage you to have some multifamily in your portfolio somehow. And obviously, if you're interested in talking to us about how we could help you do that, we'd be happy to do that. If you have questions about what I've yammered on about today, don't hesitate to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. Please stop by the Learning Center. As I said, we've got a session coming up in a couple weeks on cap rates and multifamily. Cap rates have continued to be the one of the most in interesting topics that we have covered uh, on our weekly sessions here. And uh, so we're going to do a little longer 
uh, form session uh, in the form of a webinar, and we can get into some of the math and so on there. So I would encourage you to uh, go register for that session. If you can attend, great. If you can't attend, still register, please, because then that will guarantee you that I send you a copy of the recording and a copy of the presentation. So thanks again for joining us this week. I look forward to talking to you again next week on another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Polo.